Hello and welcome to Hillcrest To Go. I'm your host, John Parker. Today, Dr. Tom Goodman continues his sermon series, Fit to Fight, Put on the Full Armor of God. Today's message, part four, do you have an Achilles heel? Here's Dr. Tom Goodman. We're, we're in the middle of a series on the armor of God because if you're going to be a superhero, you need a super suit. Every comic book tells us that. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us in verse 13 and following, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, we are warned that we have a spiritual opponent a spiritual enemy, Satan or the devil, and he wants to make our lives miserable and ineffective. In order to guard against that, God has provided for us six pieces of divine armor. And so a couple of weeks ago, we began this series by looking at how to put on the belt of truth. And then last week, we looked at what Paul said was the breastplate of righteousness. And now Paul says we need to put on proper combat boots. You know, just like every ball player needs a good pair of cleats, a soldier needs a good pair of shoes. In Paul's day, in fact, a Roman soldier's shoes were very much like cleats. A Roman soldier wore sandals like every man did back then, but a Roman soldier's sandals had protruding out of the soles Uh, these spikes, these metal protrusions, much like cleats today in a ball player's shoes. And so in close order, hand-to-hand combat, a Roman soldier could remain sure-footed on bloody, muddy ground. Paul said that you and I also have proper footwear to make us sure-footed and our fight against all that Satan would bring to our lives that would render us miserable and ineffective. Take a look at the passage again, verse 15. Stand firm then with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul says that in spiritual warfare, our combat boots are the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, that phraseology isn't immediately evident to us, but as we look through other places in the Bible, the concept of readiness and the concept of feet are often joined together with the concept of being open about your faith. So, for example, in First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, the big fisherman says, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. So just as Simon Peter said that you need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have if somebody was to ask you, 
In the same way, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that you need to fit your feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Not only does the Bible connect the idea of readiness to being open about your faith, the Bible connects the idea of feet with being open about your faith. For example, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. Isaiah said, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. So Isaiah talks about how to have beautiful feet here. And in this instance, it's not how your feet look or what your feet are wearing, but what your feet are doing that make them beautiful. In the ancient days, there were, uh, there, was, there were no text messages, there were no fax machines, uh, there were no telephones or cell towers. If a population wanted to receive a message from another population, they had to receive a messenger that ran from one city to another city. And so up on the uh, walls around Jerusalem, Isaiah, prophetically speaking, says that he sees a messenger running to them. And he says, I see a messenger coming forward, and he's not plotting as if he is reluctantly bringing us bad news from one city to another, but his feet are beautiful. They dance, they skip, they hop as they race across the mountains, bringing us a message that our enemy has been defeated. Now, the Apostle Paul took that same imagery from the book of Isaiah, and here's what he said in Romans chapter 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he begins a logical progression of questions. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent as it is written? And then he quotes Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So Isaiah 52 and Romans chapter 10 says that when you are open about your faith, your feet are beautiful because they are taking you to somebody who needs to hear the message of good news. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, not only are your feet beautiful, your feet are stable when you are open about your faith. Now, churches like ours often talk about the importance of evangelism. And for most of us, if we are engaged in evangelism at all, it's not because we naturally enjoy it, but we are just kind of just going out there and doing what we know we're supposed to do because God has commanded us to share the good news. Now, God has commanded us to share the good news. One of many, many places we could turn to is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, which says, God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, did you notice there that there are two actions on the part of God toward us? God reconciles us, and then he gives us something. He reconciles us to himself through Christ, and then he gives us the ministry of reconciliation. I remember one time I was in a crowded church building back in the days when we had crowded church buildings, and I was preaching from this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I said, show of hands, how many of you have been reconciled to God? 98% of the hands of the room went up. And I said, how many of you have been given the ministry of reconciliation? Two or three hands went up. And I said, if you really understand this passage in 2 Corinthians, you'll understand that the exact same number of people who raised their hands when they said they have, they have been reconciled to God 
needed to have raised their hands indicating that they've been given the ministry of reconciliation because God takes both actions toward us. He reconciles us and then he gives us the ministry of, of reconciliation. So we have been drawn to Christ and then God calls us to go out to others and draw them to Christ as well. So there's no doubt, no doubt about it that when we open up our mouths with a word of witness, we are in obedience to the God who has reconciled us to himself. But what does that have to do with making us more sure-footed in our battles against Satan? Like I said, our spiritual opponent wants to make our lives miserable and ineffective. And the way we prevent that is by putting on the armor of God. But how is being open about our faith like defensive armor? Before studying the armor of God years and years ago, I, I, I really uh, had not really thought about this. I'd thought about evangelism as being obedient to God. I thought about sharing our faith as a way of growing our church. I had maybe had the best thought of, of bearing witness as something that would be good for somebody else. If I love them, I want them to have what I have and gain the benefits that I have in a relationship with Christ, so I share my faith out of love for them. But when I studied the armor of God for the first time years and years ago, I realized that being open about my faith is like defensive armor that protects me from the misery and ineffectiveness that Satan would want to bring to my life. Now, you may have never thought about it in these terms, but there are some people in our community and in our church who have thought about it in these terms. Recovering alcoholics know that one way that you can uh, improve your chances of staying sober is by communicating the message of sobriety to other people who need to hear that message. In fact, the entire idea of Alcoholics Anonymous was born when a traveling salesman named Bill W. was uh, traveling to a city far away from his home and he had this powerful urge to drink. And uh, as he recalled it later, he, he said to himself, you need another alcoholic as much as he needs you. And there in that city far from home, he found a man named Dr. Bob, just simply first name, Dr. Bob, a physician who was struggling unsuccessfully with his own sobriety. And together they strengthened each other. And later on when they codified what has become known as the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill W. and Dr. Bob listed this off as the 12th step. The 12th step was to carry this message, this message of sobriety, to other alcoholics. In the so-called big book, Bill W. wrote this, practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intense work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. This is our 12th suggestion, carry this message to other alcoholics. So recovering alcoholics know that sharing their experience of staying sober not only helps somebody else, it helps them as well. The Apostle Paul could have said the same thing about our relationship with Jesus. Sharing the message of what Jesus has done for us with others helps them, but it helps us as well. So how can being open about our faith be like defensive armor to protect us against the misery and ineffectiveness that Satan would want to bring into our lives? I can think of five reasons. So find a pen or a pencil or your sermon notes inside the online bulletin. Just go to hillcrest.church bulletin. You'll find the online bulletin there and you'll find the sermon notes there. Here's some things to write down. How does 
being open about your faith serve as defensive armor? First of all, it publicly identifies you with the kingdom of God. It publicly identifies you with the kingdom of God. Psychologists tell us that being public about a commitment makes us more likely to stick to that commitment. And that's why uh, Weight Watchers, for example, is so effective. When you're in a room and you're publicly expressing your desire to lose weight in the midst of other people who have the same goal, you're much more likely to stick to that commitment because you were public with that commitment. Roy Fish, the late Roy Fish, was an evangelism professor for many years at Southwestern Seminary in Fort Worth, and he said this, making a public commitment as a way of putting strength and fiber in a decision made privately and in the heart. It is like driving down a spiritual stake that can amount to saying, I'm taking my stand for Christ and for what is right. So when you, when you are open about your faith, you've crossed a line from making a private commitment to making a public commitment, and you're therefore more likely to stick to that commitment that you made. Here's the second thing to write down. It reinforces the decision you made to belong to Christ. When you are open about your faith, it reinforces to yourself the reason why you made the decisions you did for Christ. When you speak with people about eternal realities, you're reminded all over again of what you left behind and all that you gained when you became a believer in Christ. What you left behind, negative, the other side of the coin, what you gained, positive. It reminds you, when you're in conversation with somebody who isn't a believer, you are reminded all over again of what you left behind when you became a believer. The guilt and all the things you did to try to overcome that guilt, the fears, the absolute aloneness and hopelessness you had when somebody you knew died. All of those things were left behind when you became a believer in Christ. So when you're in communication with somebody uh, who's in that state of hopelessness in themselves, it reminds you of what you left behind. On the other side of the coin, on the positive sides of things, when you are sharing with somebody about your relationship with Christ, it reminds you of all you gained when you came into a relationship with Christ. The freedom from guilt, the freedom from the fear of death, the joy of being accepted by God, the pleasure of finding a new strength to go out and live the way you really want to live after all, a life of holiness and righteousness. These are the things you gained when you came into a relationship with Christ. And when you are communicating that to somebody else, you're no longer taking it for granted. It's fresh in your mind once again. So we're looking at how to be open with others about your faith and how being open with others about your faith provides armor for you to defend yourself against the misery and ineffectiveness that Satan would want to bring to your life. Here's a third thing. When you discuss your faith with non-believers, it clarifies and solidifies your beliefs. You can write that down. It clarifies and solidifies your beliefs. There's something that a, an English professor said uh, in my college freshman English class that's been riveted in my mind to this day. Uh, she was talking about the importance of being more and more clear in your writing. And so that's why you needed to pay attention to what she was going to say in this class. And she said, you do not really understand a subject until you can lead somebody else to understand that subject. And I think she's absolutely right. It's true. In anything that you're engaged in, whether it's knitting or driving a car, or doing basic plumbing around the house, when you can break that down into parts and, and, and be able to clearly explain it to somebody else to the point that they understand it, that shows that you really understand it yourself. 
On the other hand, when you're a little hazy and foggy and opaque in what you're trying to explain to somebody else, that just means that all of those things are hazy and, and foggy and opaque in your own mind as well. You don't really understand a subject until you can lead somebody else to understand that subject. Now that's true too when it comes to sharing your faith. When you're talking with somebody who's a non-believer and they ask you, why do you say that Jesus is the Son of God? What does that mean? Why do you say that a very human book is the Word of God? What does that mean? Why do you believe that a dead man could possibly rise from the dead? Doesn't that just prove that your faith is anti-science? And when you have answers to those questions, it not only helps that person, it clarifies and solidifies your own beliefs as well. Throughout my ministry, from time to time, I'll go through a sermon series where I seek to try to answer the questions that non-believers or skeptics have about the faith. And in almost every instance, when I go through that series, I'll have numerous people that will write me or tell me, thank you so much, I'm a believer, and I needed that, that sermon series because I didn't know how to answer that question. I wasn't even sure there was an answer to that question, but now my faith is stronger. So even as we go through series like that that help other people understand the faith better, it helps us understand our faith better as well, and it defends us, it better defends us against the misery and ineffectiveness that Satan would want to bring to our lives. Write this fourth point down. It reassures you of the presence and the power of God. When you're open about your faith and you see changes happen in somebody else's life because you've been sharing your faith, it, it reassures you of the presence and the power of God. Now, now, we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. And it is unhealthy for us to always expect God to give to us evidence that he is present in our lives. But isn't it wonderful to see evidence that God is present in our lives? And when we are communicating with somebody else and they come into a relationship with Jesus and we see almost on a daily basis, a weekly basis, changes taking place in that person's life, it reminds us again that God's on the job. God is still in the business of changing people's lives, and it strengthens our own faith that God's still in the business of making a difference in our lives as well. Here's a fifth reason that witnessing protects you against the temptations of Satan. When you witness to the people you know, it gives you an immediate and visible reason to live holy. It gives you an immediate and visible reason to live or to set an example of righteousness. Now, ultimately, I need to live the way God wants me to live out of obedience to him. Ultimately, I, I want to do that to be pleasing to him, not, to, you know, not, not because other people are watching. But the reality is that when I'm communicating my faith, I'm in a renewed way aware that there are other people watching my life. And when that happens, I'm so much more conscious of the decisions I make or the words that I say. I'm so much more conscious of living the way God wants me to live because somebody that I've been witnessing to is watching me. Hasn't that ever happened to you? Maybe you've shared your faith. You finally got brave enough to share your faith to a coworker at work. Didn't that all of a sudden uh, impact the kindness that you should show or the language and jokes that you should avoid? or the way that you discipline and love your children if you're talking with a coworker or with a neighbor about the faith and you're just so much more mindful of uh, the way you show discipline and kindness to your kids. Isn't that true? It is. When, when we are doing, when we are communicating what we ought to to somebody else, we're more mindful to do the things that we ought to be doing because we know somebody else 
is watching us. Now, again, most of us have never thought of evangelism in this way. For most of us, we think about sharing our faith as obedience to God or as a way of growing our life group or our church. Or at the best, we think of, we think of uh, sharing our faith as something that is good for somebody else. And so because we love them, we're going to communicate the faith to them. Although all of these things are good motivations to have, here's a fourth motivation to have. We need to communicate our faith because it's good for us. It not only makes our feet beautiful in the imagery of Isaiah, it also makes our feet sure-footed and stable in our fight against Satan's misery. Paul tells us it helps us at least as much as it helps the people we're communicating to. In my college days, I remember studying Greek and Roman mythology. And in studying Greek and Roman mythology, I remember studying the story of Achilles. Achilles' mother was the sea nymph Thetis. And Thetis wanted to protect her only son. And so she went to the god Vulcan. The god Vulcan was the blacksmith and, uh, of the gods. He was the armor maker of the gods. And, and uh, Thetis said to Vulcan, I want you to make armor for my son. And so he made this armor for Achilles. And Thetis brought it to her son. And when Achilles saw it, he received it with joy. And he put it on. And he went out to fight battles. And he won victory after victory until something happened. One well-placed arrow shot from the walls of Troy found its way to his heel, to his ankle, the one place where there was no armor. And that, that, that arrow went into his heel and he subsequently died because of that one place of vulnerability. Maybe in this day and age, you've heard somebody say or write about somebody's Achilles heel. And what, they, what they're referring to is the fact that somebody may be otherwise strong, but they're vulnerable in one area of their lives. That's their Achilles heel. My question is, do you have an Achilles heel when it comes to fighting against Satan's misery? Think about this. Achilles had divine armor, just like you and I have divine armor, according to Ephesians chapter 6. He had this armor from the god Vulcan, according to the Greek and Roman mythology. And you've got armor from God. You might be wearing almost all the pieces of God's divine armor. You might have the belt of truth given to you by God. You might have the breastplate of righteousness given to you by God. You might have the helmet of salvation given to you by God. You might be holding up the shield of faith given to you by God. You might be lifting up the sword of the spirit given to you by God. You've got five of the six pieces of armor, but you're just not wearing the combat boots of readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And if that's the case, you've got an Achilles heel that Satan can exploit. We need to make sure that our feet are beautiful in the sense of letting our feet take us to people who need to hear the good news. But as we do that, our feet not only become beautiful, they become sure-footed in our fight against Satan's misery. Now, it's good that we're talking about this in the middle of August because of what's going to happen in the middle of September. I mentioned earlier that from time to time I do a sermon series about the questions that non-believers ask about our faith and we're going to do that again, God willing, starting in the middle of September. We're going to start a series called Asking for a Friend. And it's just going to be dealing with the questions that our non-believing friends ask us about our Christian faith. And you need to, based on what we're looking at today, you need to already start praying about who you can invite into that series 
on site if we're on campus again or online uh, regardless. So I want you to be thinking about that and praying about that because of what we've looked at today. You know, the late Mary Oliver, a poet who was known for her very simple observations on life, usually based on nature, said this in her poem, Instructions for Living a Life. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Now, those are instructions not for just living a life in general. Those are instructions for living the Christian life. God's promises, God's actions, God's character. Pay attention to it. Be astonished over it and then tell about it. This concludes our podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Join us next time for Fit to Fight Part 5 as Dr. Goodman shares his message, The Faith Factor. I'm your host, John Parker, and this has been Hillcrest to Go. For more information, please contact us at hillcrest.church. Thank you.